Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Reed. Welcome back to another episode of the Lake Show Life Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jason Reed, the acting side expert over at lakeshowlife.com. And if you can, before we get into it, could you please follow us, subscribe, whatever the word is, at wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, your support means a lot to us. It helps us out a lot. Uh, if you have a moment, if you have a question, a comment, a concern, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we read every review on every episode of the podcast, so there's always that. Uh, great way for us to connect with our listeners and for you, the listeners, to connect with us. Uh, today, we have a fun show. Obviously not coming off a fun stretch of games, two straight losses, the Philadelphia 76ers and Detroit Pistons, uh, but we do welcome on a guest, Lakeshore Life staffer Skylar Treppel. Uh, Skylar's going to join us in a bit after my little monologue talking about what's wrong with the Lakers. Uh, we talk about the Sixers game, the Pistons game, uh, go on a little bit of a tangent. Skylar actually has a very bold prediction that you have to stick around and listen to. Um, it's a big one, and it's one that Laker fans are going to like for sure, um, and it's it, it, it would surprise me. Um, being someone who covers the Lakers and likes the Lakers and wants the Lakers to succeed, um, it's a bold one, and I know wholeheartedly that he means it. Um, so we talk about those two games. We're going to preview the Celtics game with Skyler, do our purple and gold players. Didn't do our betting picks because the betting odds are actually not up yet at the time of recording this, um, but we did give our final score predictions. So that kind of lets a light in onto what our betting picks are going to be. Um, and then I return staggering statistics, quiz Skyler, with a very interesting question about Jason Tatum and other 40-point scores against the Lakers. Um, so that was all fun. That was a blast. We already recorded that. That's going to be at the tail end of the show for now. I don't want to dive too much into it because obviously we talked about it with Skyler, but the Lakers did come up, did come up with a loss against the Detroit Pistons, uh, back and forth game against the last place team in the East, or at least the least talented team in the East. I should say Anthony Davis did not play LeBron started scorching the earth on fire and then fell off a cliff very fast. Uh, and the Lakers just kind of took the fourth quarter off. And I said this with Skyler. You could tell it was their eighth quarter of basketball played in two days. Um, that being said, something you know we talk about, just don't be worried. That's all I kind of want to go into there. Um, the Lakers are fine. Move on to the game against the Celtics. They are. Um, the Lakers aren't full strength. I think it's safe to say that. They are not playing as good as they could be. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis is not playing as good. His offensive output, at least, is not as good as it could be. LeBron has really ramped it up the last few games. But before that, you know, not his full level. And some of the role players are still figuring out their role with this team. you got to realize, too, this is a team that had the shortest offseason in American sports history. And I don't want it to be an excuse because every team had a short offseason, but especially the Lakers and the Heat, who the Heat, 6-12, and just lost against the Los Angeles Clippers without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, they are having a championship hangover, despite returning most of the same pieces. Uh, the Lakers... Their championship hangover is in the form of an 11-5 record, opposed to 6-12. and That just shows how talented they are. They have that hangover with their stars and some of their key role players, Alex Crusoe, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And then they have new guys they're integrating in, you know, Schroeder, Harrell, Marcus Saul, all these new faces, Wesley Matthews, that they're integrating into the rotation. Um, things are going to be wonky. They said before the season, Frank Vogel, Anthony Davis both said, like, it's not going to be great to start the year. They are going to have their hiccups. They're going to have their lows and they just got to get through those lows. And you know, the important thing right now is just staying healthy. Really? That's their, their number one MO is staying healthy, putting up a good enough regular season to get some momentum at the tail end of it. Hopefully get the one seed for home court. Um, obviously that's a huge goal, but they know they're going to make the playoffs. They know they're going to be a top seed. And it's just kind of getting there, staying healthy, and then ramping up at the right time. So don't worry about it. Um, they'll be fine. 
but they haven't been perfect. And one thing I wanted to touch on in this monologue before Skyler joins us is I'm a huge Frank Vogel guy. I think he's a great coach. I think what he did in the NBA playoffs cemented him. I think he was already a great coach that cemented him with the general NBA audience that he is a great coach. I mean, look at the things he did with Indiana. They way overachieved, if we're being honest. He hasn't been perfect, but almost by design. I mean, this Lakers team is still figuring things out with the rotation. It's not going to be a perfect rotation right away, and the rotation in the playoffs last year was much different than the rotation to start the year. That being said, I would like to see some rotation change changes, uh, whether they be implemented instantly whether they be implemented slowly as the year goes along um, there are some things with this rotation that I think should be changed that it's going to help maximize the team's potential and I wrote an article over on Lake Show Life as usual what I do with these monologues I bring up an article an intriguing article of my own that I want to touch on and this is kind of the point I made in this article and there's three things there's number one the Lakers are playing Dennis Schroeder and LeBron James together too much now, in the offseason, I was a huge Schroeder guy. We were all excited about him coming on because the idea was he was going to be a better version of Rondo. He's going to be mostly play when LeBron's off the court, um, kind of be that second facilitator. And he could be in the starting lineup and still serve that role as long as his minutes didn't clash too much with LeBron's. The problem is they are clashing with LeBron. So instead, Schroeder's not getting as many playmaking opportunities. He's being relegated to you know an off-ball score. He is getting some chances, but not as many as he would if LeBron was not on the court. And he's just... His scoring is so – it's not so inefficient, but it's so inefficient compared to what it was last year. Now, he's had his good games where that goes by the wayside, but he's also had his bad games where he's really inefficient. Um, so I would like to see them either you know, start him on the bench, really cut down on his minutes with LeBron. And, I mean, we look at it. So LeBron and Dennis Schroeder have played – Let's see here. I got to look at my own article. Okay, so Schroeder and LeBron is the second most common two-man combinations for the Lakers this season, only behind Anthony Davis and Schroeder. LeBron and Schroeder have played 348 minutes together. Now, this was before the Sixers game, these numbers. Um, so they obviously would have changed in these two games since. The Lakers, their overall numbers as a team are fine when LeBron and Schroeder are on the court, but Schroeder's numbers are down. Uh, when, Le- when he shares the court with LeBron, he has a 19.5 usage rate percentage. Uh, he's shooting 43%, 33 from beyond the arc. He's averaging 14, 4, 14, 4 and 5 uh, per 36. Uh, in the 173 minutes without LeBron, his usage rate is up to 27.5, so 8% higher. His shooting percentages are down, not significantly, but they are down a little bit. However, his per 36 average is 19.1 points, so that's 5 points more, 4.5 points more, 5 rebounds, and uh, 6 assists. So he's had a better output when LeBron's on the court. And I think once the playoffs roll around, I think it is important to get Schroeder coming off the bench a little bit more and get Schroeder matched up against these second units because that Schroeder-Harrell kind of combo off the bench is really what was really intriguing. Um, And I would rather see someone like Alex Caruso be in the starting lineup. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be successful. He's in the closing lineup anyways. At least he was against Philly. Uh, He's an elite defender. And that was the other thing with the rotation. Not that he needs to start, but that he needs more minutes. So Caruso's just been fantastic uh he's shooting the ball really well especially for what we expected and his defense is just stellar yeah tobias made that game winner over him but he played really good defense at the time of writing this article he had a 2.6 defensive box plus minus and a defensive rating of 102 both of those are elite numbers he was seventh in defensive box plus minus among players with at least 200 minutes played and a fourth amongst guards behind matthias theibel tj mcconnell and ben simmons so the cream of the crop at the time of writing this he was shooting 56 percent from beyond the arc so He's not going to shoot that all the time, but he's shooting fantastic. All that being said, he's only getting 17.8 minutes per game at the time of writing this. Um, 
he's going to get a bigger role in the playoffs. I would at least think so. He did last year. His play, role in the playoffs was bigger than his role in the regular season. Um, but I would like to see that start ramping up a little bit. Quite frankly, and this might sound insane, I'd like to see Cruz play as much as 25 minutes a game. Now, you can't go from 17 minutes a game to 25 minutes a game like that. But they can slowly ramp it up, you know, as the season goes along, increase his workload more and more, take away some minutes from some other guys, which we'll get into. And by the time the playoffs hit, you know, see if Crusoe can handle, if he produces at the same level in 25 minutes. Absolutely keep him on the court for that long. Um, I, I don't want him playing less than 20 minutes in the playoffs. I don't want him just being thrown into this bigger role in the playoffs. It needs to build up. And I think the Lakers are going to be better if it builds up. I know he's not the sexiest offensive option, but, you know, he's – a fine off-ball shooter, and if he's playing with LeBron, you don't really need him to bring the ball up the court. You don't. I mean, look at Avery Bradley last year. That was really their starting one guard, and he didn't act like a one guard at all besides defending the other team's one guard. So I really like Caruso. Everyone likes Caruso, Lakers fans. Everyone knows this is a pro-Alex Caruso podcast. Uh, I want to see him get more playing time, and quite frankly, I want to see Kyle Kuzma get less playing time. Uh, He looked good against the Pistons, which ironically was a game that, you know, we circled before the season as a game that Kuzma was going to do really good on and get people to buy back in on him. People aren't really buying in on him because they lost, and that's the focus. But he looked pretty good in this game. I still think he's playing too much. That's not enough to to sway my opinion. Kuzma is playing, what is it, 24 and a half minutes per game. So they should really flop Kuzma and Crusoe's minutes, if I'm being honest. I would just If they just straight up flopped him, that'd be great. Uh, in those 24 and a half minutes, he's averaging 10 point, 10.1 points, 5.4 rebounds, shooting 38.5% from beyond the arc. That is a good improvement, and he has improved defensively. I will give credit where credit is due. And that's what I've seen. Like The counter-argument for Kuzma is that people that come at me for not liking Kuzma, it's like, well, he's gotten better. You know, He has this potential. He's young. People tell me I don't know basketball. That comes with a job. Um, but the numbers just don't back it up that Kuzma's a solid player. Like The team gets worse when Kuzma's on the court. So I went over to what website was this? Uh, fantasylabs.com, and it's fantasy basketball, and they can give you uh, – Stats when a player is on the court versus when they're off the court. Uh, the team stats, that is. And it's not just fantasy. It's like offensive rating, all that stuff. So every single player on the Los Angeles Lakers, except Jared Dudley, who it's Jared Dudley. He barely even plays as is, has a better offensive rating when Kuzma is sitting rather than when they are on the court with Kuzma. And obviously offensive rating is more of a team stat. It helps with player individuals, but it is influenced by the team. So what does that tell you? The lowest increase is KCP. He has a plus 3.7. Oh, so three and a half, 3.7 points better per 100 possessions when he's not playing with Kuzma. The biggest increase, surprise, surprise, Alex Crusoe, 11.5. Every rotation player except Markeith Morris has a better – and I say rotation because like I think Jared Dudley, Quinn Cook, and Alfonso McKinney didn't fall into this. But again, rotation player. Every rotation player except Markeith Morris – has a better defensive rating as well when Kuzma is on the bench. Um, Again, obviously it's kind of a team stat, but offensive and defensive ratings are a decent enough kind of indicator when you look at it in the holistic picture like this to kind of see like where a team is efficient when they're not efficient. And the fact that literally everyone is better both offensively and defensively as a unit when Kuzma is not on the floor, what does that tell you? What else do you have to see? You know, the Lakers are better when Kuzma is not on the floor. Now he has to play. He has to be part of the rotation. They're paying him to do so. Um, but I, he, I just don't want him playing that much. And I, I worry about, you know, in the playoffs, he's just, he got cooked last year. I always think about this game and it was a game that didn't even matter that everyone probably forgot about, but it was the, 
the startup games in the bubble before the seeding games against the Dallas Mavericks. Luka just embarrassed Kuzma. He made him look so bad. Um, and just in the playoffs, if you have Kuzma getting switched on to Luka Doncic, it's going to be trouble. If you're in the finals and you have Tobias Harris going against Kuzma, you're going to be in trouble. If you have you know Ben Simmons switching on Kuzma, you're going to be in trouble. If you have freaking Giannis switching on Kuzma, that's a lot of trouble. KD, all these guys, like he's just too much of a, a liability defensively. And we see it time and time again. Look at the Clippers last year. Uh, Clippers are a very talented team. I know Laker fans, you know, we like to tease the Clippers, and I've done it time and time again. But they had their bench was made up of only one-way players. Trez, as much as I like him, is really a one-way player. He's not as bad defensively as last playoffs showed, but he is someone who can't get exposed by, you know, elite play. You know, Damian Lillard and uh, Joseph Nurkic earlier in the year, Nikola Jokic last year. He can't get exposed. That's why he's not in the crunch time lineup, really. They had them. He had Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson. The Clippers had a bunch of these players off the bench that were just so terrible defensively. They're one-way players. That's where teams lose series. You can't afford to give too many one-way players too big of a role. Obviously, Trez is going to have a role, and he's really the only other one-way player. Gasol's kind of a one-way player, and Caruso kind of on the defensive end, but that's the one way you would rather have out of a role player. Kuzma is a halfway player. I mean, he's not good defensively, although he's gotten better. And he's not the greatest offensively. Like, yeah, he's okay, but he's not great. Um, he's just not someone I want to see playing valuable playoff minutes. So I would like to see him get fewer minutes. I would like to see Crusoe get more. And I would like Schroeder to get less, fewer minutes with LeBron on the court than he currently is getting. Um, and Vogel will recognize these things. And, you know, maybe I'm silly and it's a small sample size and things will work themselves out. And that's absolutely possible. I'm not the one getting paid millions of dollars to coach his team. I'm not the one that's there every practice and that knows the personalities and the play styles and everything else going on and the long-term picture thing of what they want to do. Um, but based on what's going on this season and how they could get better, I think that is three ways they could get better. Um, so really that's, uh, you know, that's that's what I would like to see the Lakers do. Now, I would like to point out before we get into it with Skyler, I mentioned this with Skyler. I think I got my record wrong because I was very confused. Um, I pick betting picks every podcast. Y'all know this. Um, didn't pick it today, like I mentioned, because the odds aren't up. I am I was 9-1 and one in my last 10 heading into the Detroit Pistons game. I picked the Sixers to cover 4.5. They obviously won. I actually had them winning by one. I know Lakers podcast, Lakers guy, picking the Lakers to lose. I just had a feeling. They're 10-0 and on the road. They were due to lose. And I said... I think the Sixers are going to win a close game, but it very well could be a Lakers win by a basket, uh, you know, one swinging basket. If Tobias Harris doesn't make that, the Lakers win by one basket, the Sixers still cover. Um, the one loss in that game, I did have the over, the under hit. So that that ended a, a pretty much a nine-game winning streak. So 9-1 in my last 10. I went 2-0 against the Detroit Pistons, y'all. I had Pistons 9.5. I did not have the Pistons winning. I had the Lakers winning 106-100. Uh, I thought it was – the game was going exactly how I thought. It was going to be a sluggish game for the Lakers back and, back and forth that they would just eke out a victory. And I had under 216.5. Again, back and forth, eke out a victory. Obviously, the Pistons won, so they covered 9.5. That goes without saying. And then the 216.5, they hit. I mean, the under hit. I was correct on that as well. The point total was, what, 199? Yeah, 199. Way under that. Um, so that moves me to 11-1 in my last 12, y'all. 11-1 in my last 12. Of course, I haven't been putting money on any of these, because why would I? I'd be foolish to actually put money. You know, I'd be up, what? 10 units right now in my last six games if I were to put money on them. And the second I actually do put money on them is when I'm going to lose. Um, but just 
you know, I, I'm not anyone to tell you what to do with their money. And if you are someone who wagers, please gamble responsibly. Uh, I know there's a hotline 1-800-GAMBLER. I hear it on all of the podcasts. Call them if you know any gambling you know, problems and whatnot. Um, but 11-1 in my last 12, what does that tell you? If you're someone who likes to bet on basketball, what does that tell you? Just don't come at me if I lose because there's a very good possibility. Um, 22 and 14 on the air, though. That's pretty damn good. Um, I'm feeling good. I, I feel bad talking about my own record when the Lakers. I think I said the Lakers were 11 and 5 earlier. I have no idea where I got that from. They're 14 and 6. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm playing as good as the Lakers are. My bets are better than the Lakers are playing, and the Lakers are still playing great. Um, but without further ado, let's get into it. My monologue is over. Got no, no coffee advice for you all today. No puppy updates, although the puppy's doing fantastic, in case anyone's wondering, from Reese Alfredo. Um, you know, there's the stock market stuff. I don't understand any of that, so I'm not going to talk about that here. Um, and we have a Chiefs-Bucks Super Bowl, so that's fun. Tom Brady's probably going to become the go-to-goats. Uh, sorry, MJ. Uh, everyone's talking about LeBron versus MJ. Um, there's Tom Brady and Serena Williams, the GOAT of GOATs, like the two greatest athletes in their respective sports compared to their peers. It's not even close. Um but yeah, without further ado, let's welcome on our guest, Skylar Treble. We now welcome on Lake Show Life staff writer, Skylar Treble. Skylar, thank you for joining the podcast. How you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great, Jason. It is awesome to be here after celebrating the life of Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, even though it's a sad day to remember, it was a beautiful day to celebrate his life. I was happy to write an article for Lake Show Life and happy to read your awesome article as well. And it's just great to be here, able to talk about the team, the Lakers. I bleed purple and gold. I, I think uh, I appreciate you talking about my Kobe article, my favorite memory. I talked about that on the last podcast episode with the Sixer Sense guys. Um, if you haven't, you know, read it, go check it out or you can go listen to the last pod. You know, it was about the Lakers and everyone knows that listens. I'm a big Dodger fan, so it's kind of intertwining the two. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Kobe article you wrote, though, because I was actually going to give you some love. Uh, fantastic article. Anyone listening to this should go check it out. Uh, titled Kobe Bryant, The Black Mamba's Last Stand. Uh, Skyler did a great job. You know, it was like a featurey, in-depth piece. He talked to a lot of people that were close to Kobe. Uh, Gary Vitti was in it. Uh, Serena Winters. I'm going to naturally forget some guys. Who else did you interview? Howard Beck, uh, Howard Beck Sports Illustrated, right. formerly Bleacher Report and New York Times. And they even drew him into a Game of Zones episode. And then we also got Mark Medina, one of my, who did Kobe's last interview, uh, writer for USA Today and formerly Orange County Register. So covered lots of Kobe's last season. And then Tracy Murray, Tracy Murray who actually right. played with the Lakers 02 to 03 and also was the assistant coach in Kobe's final season, which was mostly what I wrote about. So, yeah, check it out. I had a lot of fun. And, and shout out to you, Jason, for publishing it. Uh, I couldn't think of a better platform to have it on than Lake Show Life. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. You know, it's about I think it was two thousand twenty five hundred words. Um, yeah. Just it was a great read, though. I mean, reading through it, editing it, you know, sometimes I see these monster pieces. And, uh, you know, when you're reading something to edit it, it's a little more strenuous than just reading it. You know, you're putting more effort into it. Uh, this is one of the ones where I breezed through it. It was a great read, you know, super proud to publish. And uh, any Laker fans, any Kobe fans, just any basketball fans, really, uh, check it out. I mean, I'm sure only Laker fans are listening to this, but uh, go check that article out. It's a really good one. Um, Thank you very much. It's fitting, though. You know, it was you posted that the year after Kobe passed away. Uh, the day before Kobe passed away, obviously, the Lakers took on the 76ers. LeBron passed him in the all-time points leaderboard, kind of that, you know, cryptic nature whatnot. 
Um, and then a year later, you know, one day after Kobe's passing, we had the Philadelphia 76ers, Lakers on the road. I was super hyped up for this game. I even tweeted on the Lake Show Life account. For some reason, like this was the most I had gotten up for any Lakers game thus far this year. Even the Bucks game, you know, a few days earlier, I wasn't as excited. Even opening night. I mean, I had the opening night jitters, but I wasn't. Yeah. There was something about this game, and I think it was kind of the NBA Finals preview and everything. Um, obviously, the Lakers were kind of trailing throughout. Didn't really belong to be in that game down the stretch. Nope. Um, and then came back, made it close. Uh, we were talking before we recorded. You had a very specific insight on how the Lakers need to handle the Sixers if they come across them, especially in the playoffs. Uh, what did you see, especially defensively, that the Lakers need to do better? Well, absolutely. And, and right before I get into that, you got my mind going when you brought up January 25th. LeBron passing Kobe and scoring. What was truly incredible about that night was that LeBron was interviewed about Kobe Bryant for 10 minutes and wore yeah. Mamba for life on his shoes. So he basically gave an incredible eulogy. I recommend That's people right. checking out without knowing that would be the case. Of course, Kobe was a healthy, indestructible 41 year old. Uh, but anyways, that was really cool stuff. As far as the Philadelphia 76ers in that game, I believe that the Lakers really need to focus on their man-to-man defense and not letting the 76ers make them switch as much. I saw too many times where Marc Gasol was not on Joel Embiid and Marc Gasol was on the floor. And with how big Joel Embiid is, I think they really need to try and keep Marc Gasol on him. Also, Ben Simmons... I don't know. Sometimes he blew past LeBron a little bit. I think Anthony Davis with that size needs to be on Ben Simmons. And I think if they can make sure that the Sixers don't make them switch, which is, you know, great ball movement by the Sixers, then they can do a really good job of making it happen in the finals. If that is in fact who they meet. Yeah. And, you know, going into this game, like I said, previewed it with the Sixer sense guys. Um, they asked me, you know, what player do you think, you know, should the Lakers watch out for pretty much our purple and gold players, but they didn't have a name for it. Um, there was which role player on the Sixers do you think you should watch out for vice versa for the Lakers? Um, and I was telling him, like, I was worried about Tobias Harris in this game as well. Obviously, he had yeah. the game winner over Alex Caruso. But, you know, thinking about, you know, either Gasol or AD was going to guard Embiid and then Ben Simmons, you know, LeBron or AD was going to guard him most of the time. I was kind of worried about who was going to guard Tobias and consistently guard Tobias. I mean, the Lakers have good wing defenders and whatnot. Um, and I especially mentioned when I was worried when Kuzma was on the floor and if Tobias was going at Kuzma, that just gave me nightmares thinking about it. Um, <laughs> and Tobias had a big game. I mean, he was second in scoring for the Sixers. He had 24-7 and three. Had that game winner. Crusoe played great defense. Can't blame him on that. Um, nope. And then one thing, you know, a lot of Laker fans are talking about that I want to get your input on is Marc Gasol. I mean, no one expected him to be Memphis Grizzlies, you know, grit and grind Grizzlies, Marc Gasol. You know, we all knew he was getting up there in age. He's not the same player. And all his def defensive uh, advanced statistics are still really good. He's doing good in that front. But he still does look a little slow out there. He still does look a little sluggish, and he's not scoring really at all. I mean, he had eight points in this game, but he had, what, five, the three games combined prior. Um, just what are your thoughts on Marc Gasol? Do you think we should be worried about him? I don't think so. I think one thing I would actually like to see – out of Marc Gasol that I think could get him going is to be more aggressive on that offensive scoring end and especially the playmaking end. Marc Gasol is one of the best playmaking big men I've ever seen. I mean, mm -hmm. until you know, Nikola Jokic came into the league, but that's for another day. <laughs> uh, Marc Gasol is a phenomenal playmaking big man. And I sometimes I see his three-point stroke get, stroke get going. So I want to see Marcus Gasol take a few more shots, use some of that footwork in the post. And I think that aggressiveness and getting that confidence could sort of just energize him to have that speed going up. 
Overall, though, I expected him to be more of a defensive rebounding presence and a little bit more scoring. That's why I'd like to see him be more aggressive. But, hey, he's a Gasol brother on the Lakers. He's <laughs> going to show up in the playoffs, and that's where the Lakers shine. Yeah, that's true. I still think they need another traditional big, and it's something, you know, I covered uh, our own Ron Agers covered before the season. I, You know, Trez is kind of the backup five. Yeah, there's some matchup, you know, kind of nightmares there, uh, especially if Gasol's in foul trouble or if God forbid he gets hurt. Uh, we saw him get exposed against the Portland Trailblazers, you know, earlier in the season. Granted, that was Damon, you know, doing his thing with the pick and roll and whatnot. Ooh, I would nasty. like I would like to see them add, you know, I wrote about a potential JaVel McGee reunion if they could somehow swing that if he gets bought out or something. Uh, there's some other guys. Robin Lopez could get bought out from Washington. Yeah. Um, Even Drummond they're talking about. Yeah, that's true. Just someone where, because if Gasol gets in, if the Lakers come up against the Sixers, you know, in the NBA Finals and Gasol's in early foul trouble, I'm terrified. Right. I'm terrified of what would happen in that game, you know. So I, I think they need that extra body, and it's not a pressing need. You know, they're still the title favorites, and it's the regular season. But that is the one thing I would like to see them add, you know, as the season goes along. Um, would you agree? Absolutely. I, I think that's a really good point. And when we lost Dwight, I was kind of like, okay, you know, you did great, but okay. When once McGee was gone, though, that was a lot to swallow. And now I am realized, or I mean, I have realized, but now we're seeing what it's like without another big. I think they'll be fine without another big. I think they're still the favorites to repeat. But if they can get a traditional big, I would like to see it. And Hey, there's talks about Drummond to Brooklyn. I would love to see Andre Drummond on the Lakers because, you know, maybe maybe Gasol is ready to come off the bench at this point. And maybe you yeah. need more of that high-quality, old-school type starting center like an Andre Drummond if we could swing that. Yeah, absolutely. And LeBron always makes big men better uh, that he plays no with. Doubt. So Drummond probably have the best half a season of his career. Um, you know, so the 76ers, you know, I've said it four times now, it sounds like uh, – Potential NBA Finals matchup. They obviously lead the Eastern Conference. Uh, you have the Brooklyn Nets. You have their big three. You have the Boston Celtics who are playing good basketball. Obviously, you can never rule out Giannis and the Bucks. Personally, if I had to give my prediction right now, my way too early prediction were a quarter of the way through the season, I think it's going to be the Sixers. And the main reason why is they're just a matchup nightmare for any team uh, in that conference. Like against the Nets, I don't know who's stopping Joel Embiid. I just don't. Um, you know, the Bucks have Giannis, but we've kind of seen that that postseason game plan on how to slow down Giannis. It's worked twice now. I don't have any reason to believe, you know, it won't work again, especially because he hasn't really taken the necessary steps with his shot. Uh, the Celtics, I like their wings, and I think their wings give teams problems. Uh, the Pacers have surprised everyone, but I don't know if they're legitimate, you know, title contenders. Um, I think it's going to be the Sixers out of the East. I think if the Lakers make the NBA Finals, we are going to see this matchup, you know, seven, five, six, seven times. Um, would you agree? Do you see the Sixers coming out? Do you think it's Giannis and the Bucks, the Nets, the Celtics, maybe uh, Trey Young and the Hawks? <laughs> Man, that would be fun. I think Trey <laughs> Young and the Hawks will come out eventually. I think we're a couple years away from oh, seeing yeah. <laughs> that. But watch out for that team in the future, straight up. Yeah. No, for me, you know, first of all, with the Bucks, I'm really uh, I'm, I'm unimpressed, to tell you the truth. Giannis absolutely needs a jump shot. We'll get into the Pistons game, but when LeBron was hitting those threes at the start, I couldn't help but think about his jump shot at the beginning of his career and how he worked on it. So Giannis, within the next, you know, four years or so, really needs to get that jump shot going if he wants to win a championship because to me they're they with the expectations they're forgettable right now 
for me, it's between three teams to make the finals, and that's the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Nets. The Celtics have Tatum, who steps up in the playoffs. Brown, who's improved his average by seven points, 27 points instead of 20 points from last season, and 13 the season before. Guys becoming a star before our eyes. And then you've got Kemba Walker on the team as well. Uh, you know, they're looking very nice, but after last year, I expected them to make it last year. So I'm not sure it's going to be right away, but Tatum's going to be a star. Watch out for them. Oh, yeah. And Kobe trained him. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> as far as the 76ers, man, I thought they'd make it last year. It finally seems like everything is clicking, but it seems like things might have clicked too late with the Brooklyn Nets having the most talented super team or most talented big three that we have seen since the Miami heat big three. I think it's a superstar driven league as we saw with LeBron and Anthony Davis and the fact that without Anthony Davis, they don't even make the playoffs the year before. So I do think it will be the Brooklyn nets in the final, especially with KD's resurgence. Um, That being said though, Jason, I have a pretty big prediction here. Let's hear it. So the Lakers won one championship. Yes, they did. But this team with the way Anthony Davis is developing, and we saw how sorely missed he is defensively. His scoring will come back. He'll be aggressive. We've got Schroeder. We're going to get him re-signed. We've got Harrell. We've got great pieces. We've got a great core. Great general manager who could pivot if something goes wrong even. Oh, my goodness. Rob Palinka is is an absolute genius after everything he's done. I mean, getting Davis, getting the necessary pieces. My prediction is that within the next two years in the East, we're going to see the Nets and the Sixers, maybe Nets this year's 76ers, but that the Lakers are winning the title this year and next year. The Los Angeles Lakers, 20 years after their first three-peat, are three-peating once again. And I wrote an article for Sir Charles in Charge that they would, that they would win the championship 14 months before they did last year. Yeah, I mean, and you predicted the uh, the Chiefs and Bucks to match up in the Super Bowl back in September. So I think people need to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I'm telling you, I'm calling it right now today, January 28th, 2021. You heard it here. The Los Angeles Lakers are heading for a three-peat 20 years after the Kobe and Shaq three-peat. See, this is a perfect prediction because if they do three-peat, you know, I'm I'm obviously going to come back to this and re-promote it, and people listening might come back to it and re-promote it, and then it'll it'll pop off, and everyone will be like, wow, this guy was ahead of the curve. If it doesn't happen, everyone will just forget because it's going to be so long in the future <laughs> that it's like, yes. oh, yeah, no one's going to come back and make you eat crow for it. Um, no, for, and I have to make the three-peat prediction because it was really cool I predicted them last year, but this year everyone's predicting them. So that's why I got to take it a step further and go for the three-peat. But it's not a hot take. I really believe that there's a lot of young talent developing, but that young talent is, you know, 24, 20, uh, 25. So it's really two, three more years before they hit their absolute prime and take over. I think Anthony Davis is going to improve greatly. I think he'll mm-hmm. become the best player in the league. I think within the next two years, we'll see him win a finals MVP, a defensive player of the year, and and hopefully an MVP. I thought he'd step out more this year, but but LeBron and AD, AD will complement LeBron perfectly as LeBron ages, and this team is poised to win for the next two years. Yeah, and AD is kind of that guy. This is how I envision it going down when I think of, you know, when I'm 70 years old and I'm telling my grandchildren about this era in Lakers basketball, you know, <laughs> talking about the 3 P, then talking about the Kobe Powell, and then talking about this era and whatever comes after, I see AD being the guy who hopefully – you never know in today's NBA with player movement, but 
you know, he wins with LeBron, you know, one, two, even three championships. And then LeBron kind of does his own thing. He retires. Maybe he leaves and goes play goes and plays a season with his son somewhere. And then AD's the guy who sticks around and maybe has another Kobe-like, you know, five years after LeBron leaves. Maybe not five years. That'd be He'd be pretty old by then. But a few years after LeBron leaves, maybe he brings in another star and he wins another championship. Yep. And AD very well could be the guy we remember from this era, you know, kind of like Magic Kareem. We remember Magic as like the Laker, even though Kareem, you know, I would say has a case to be the GOAT. Um, people remember Magic, you know, because, you know, Kareem played on the Bucks first and Magic was kind of Mr. Laker. Um, AD might be remembered as that guy, you know, because the Lakers are getting him in his prime years. He might stick around. Um, but I mentioned the GOAT. I wanted to ask you this. If the Lakers three-peat, let's say LeBron wins one of those finals. He's finals MVP. He has six championships. Is he the greatest basketball player of all time? Before I answer, let me just say I love LeBron James. I love to, you know, we got to give all the players their respect. But with six NBA finals losses, I do not consider him the greatest. In fact, for me, and it's funny, people will take this as a slight, and maybe there will always be that competitiveness with Kobe and LeBron. Regardless, though, to me, you know, he, he's top three, and it will be very, you know, I think I think he can surpass Kareem, but for me, it's always going to be 1A Michael and 1B Kobe. And I think that, wow. that relates to intangibles. You know, it, it's not about um, even if LeBron won more championships, Kobe stayed on the Lakers and single-handedly rebuilt them himself. We talk about Hakeem Olajuwon in the top 10 winning back-to-back championships. Kobe Bryant did this after a three-peat. Kobe Bryant was averaging 40 points in the playoffs with Shaquille O'Neal, and there's that very silly, I mean, carrying myth. That's like saying the sky is red. Um, and then Michael Jordan, you know, just go watch the last dance. It's it's 6-0 in the finals. It's all the scoring titles. He could do it all. It, it's the way they played. You know, it's not about triple doubles. It's about moments. It's about the way these players made you feel. It's about their impact. And LeBron, Kobe, and Michael, and Kareem are all very special. But for me, uh, I with the six finals losses, with the Dallas Mavericks, it would be hard for me to put LeBron as the GOAT. Wow. So, you know, I, I'm a Kobe guy. I like Kobe, obviously. Um, I'm not sure I have him 1B, if I'm being honest with you, and uh, agree to disagree. Uh, I think I have Kobe a little bit lower. I mean, Kobe's obviously, you know, Mount Rushmore and whatnot. Um, but I I think I, you know, I'm going to have LeBron over Kobe when it's all said and done. And that's okay. I understand. Most <laughs> people do. <laughs> um, but it's just incredible to think about, too, you know, you mentioning all these players, you know. So you have Michael, you know, Michael's the GOAT. Uh, Kobe's up there. LeBron is going to finish up there. He played on the Lakers. Kareem obviously played on the Lakers. Magic, you know, the greatest point guard of all time, arguably, he played on the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, oh, amazing. Prime Shaq. I mean, he didn't spend. Those are my top six, honestly. Yeah, the Shaq. Six you just mentioned. Uh, Jerry West is the logo. He played on the Lakers. Um, it's, it's Elgin just, Baylor El- Elgin changed Baylor. the game. Yep. Um, it's just incredible Wilt. how many people. Will Chamberlain. It was wasn't prime Wilt, but it was still, you know, probably the most dominant player in NBA history just compared to his peers. Um, yeah. It's just – it's insane. That's why I say – I write this in articles all the time, and I've had Celtics fans argue it with me, but I – the Lakers are the most historic and most prestigious franchise in basketball, and even when they didn't have the same amount of championships as the Celtics, the Celtics are really fueled by one huge run by Bill Russell, which is fantastic, and it should not be ignored. But when you look no. at overall dynasties and superstars – and just how many different eras there have been, it's the Lakers, and it's not even close. So, 
absolutely. It, it's just incredible how much history there is in this Lakers franchise. Um, and there were nine teams in the league when uh, Bill Russell won all of yeah. those championships. <laughs> and that's not to discount Bill Russell, but what the, what the Lakers have done in the modern era um, is, is unheard of. It's, it's, and shout out to Jerry Buss as an owner for being you know an engine that brought it all together as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got to talk about that before we talk about the Pistons game, though. That way we can get the listeners kind of happy so we can bring them yeah. back down to earth because the Lakers just lost a very ugly game against the Detroit Pistons. Oh, man. Um, kind of a back-and-forth game. So I did my betting predictions, and I had Pistons plus 9.5. I had the Lakers winning, uh, which I don't think is a crazy thing to predict, um, but I thought it was going to be a close game. Second leg of a road back-to-back, you know, traveling in between cities. Uh, no AD, which I wrote the article before it was announced AD wasn't playing. But after last night, you kind of knew he probably wasn't going to play or was going to be very limited. Um, and it was it was that close, you know, back-to-back uh, game where, you know, they went back and forth, trade leads. And then it just fell apart in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Lakers just uh, didn't – I don't want to say didn't care because obviously they care. But uh, you could tell it was their eighth quarter of basketball played in two days. We'll say that Absolutely. much. Um and they fell apart a little bit, and I've seen on Twitter some people kind of freaking out a little bit, talking about how the Clippers just beat the Miami Heat without, you know, their two best players, and, you know, the Utah Jazz having a great season, the Lakers falling to third in the conference now. Um, you know, my two words to say to everyone is don't panic. Uh, in two months, you won't remember this game. Uh, it's just a classic. Yes. It's a stinker. Every team has it. You know, I'm a big Dodger fan. The Dodgers will lose 8-0 to zero to the Giants one night, and it just happens. Uh, football, you know, the, the Chiefs lost to the Raiders. It just happens. Uh, this is one of those games that just happens. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much, personally. Couldn't agree with you more, Jason. It, it really is. No one needs to worry at all. It sucks. It sucks that it's a two-game losing streak. But, guys, come on. If you've been following the Lake Show for a long time, Think about how we were before. It's a two-game losing streak we're worrying about. This yeah. is how good we are. Yeah. Um, you know, really, like, the the Detroit, the 76ers game, we had no business being in that in the end, and I love the hustle in the fourth quarter. No, we didn't pull out the win, but, you know, get that defensive consistency going a little bit more. I love Dennis Schroeder in the clutch, um, and his first step is so quick. I think that will keep developing throughout the season. But, you know, really – and then with the Pistons game, yeah, basically, look, we had a 71-day offseason, and the Lakers have come out strong out of the gate, 10-0 and record on the road. I mean, ridiculous stuff. And we're going to worry because they basically took a quarter off. Like, they, they did load management during the game, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, LeBron comes out the gate, four out of four threes right away, ridiculous stuff. And then he goes one for 12 after going seven for seven, they were tired tonight, and they won't be tired in the playoffs. I'm not worried at all. Yeah, and like I said, fans are going to forget about this game in two months. You know, no fan 100%. is thinking about last season when they lost four in a row to the what was it, the Pacers? I'm looking at it right now, Pacers, Bucks, Nuggets, Clippers, Nuggets, Clippers. They lost four in a row last year. No one's talking about that. No one's talking about their 105 to 88 loss against Memphis at the end of February. Um, it, it's it happens. Don't worry. And if you're worrying, um, you know, I've, uh, you'll be happy when they respond, you know, and they, they come back because it's not going to be like this. I mean, I will say they have looked not 100% to start the year through 19 games. I think we've probably seen a 90% Lakers team thus far, and I think that's by design. I mean, AD's only scoring 20, 22 a game. He's going to score more than that. LeBron, he's oh, for sure. picked it up recently in the last three or four games. Uh, before that, you know, he was averaging 22, 23. Um, it's by design. They're fine. You know, the the – they're just trying to stay healthy. That's really what it is. They're just trying to stay healthy. 
no, I, I couldn't agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. They're all good. And let me say, too, tonight really showed me how important Anthony Davis is on the defensive end, even yeah. when they're only scoring 22, even when he's only scoring 22 points a game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Blake Griffin, that was the best he looked in like five years. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Throwback to like uh, Duncan over cars, Blake Griffin. I mean, not the athleticism, but he was looking good. I mean, he played great. Uh, Derek Rose looked good. Wayne Ellington dropped 20. It was just, Ooh, it was a weird record. game. Very weird game. Uh, Mason and Plumlee. You know, what? you know what I love about it is that the Lakers, growing up, we used to play down to the level of bad teams, as great teams do sometimes. And then the Lakers became a team that good teams played down to the level of, and they played bad. Mm -hmm. And now we're that's all this was tonight. We were back to, ah, the Pistons suck. You know, we're, we're not going to give it our all. That's how good we are. It's yeah. okay, everyone. Relax. We're winning the chip. I wish I would have put real money on, you know, the Pistons plus nine and a half. Maybe even sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I could have made some money. Uh, this was kind of predictable thinking about it. It was in between two huge games. Um, don't panic. But that being said, I would like to see them play better their next game. Uh, this Saturday against the Boston Celtics. I believe it's on ABC. So primetime of primetime. It is on Ooh. ABC. 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, obviously on the road in Boston. Part of this long road trip. Uh, the Lakers were looking ahead to this game, I think, in this Pistons game. They took that fourth quarter off. They said, let's go get Boston. I'm sure AD will play. You know, he's going to have, what, today's Thursday, so that's Thursday, Friday, two days off. Uh, they're going to fly out tonight or tomorrow morning. They're going to get situated in Boston, get themselves a nice dinner the night before. Um, I'm excited for this game. So we got to get into it. Our purple and gold Absolutely. players, uh, for those who first-time listeners – they are the purple and gold players are role players on both sides. Purple players are on the opponents, and the the meaning is purple. You want to kind of beat them up a little bit, leave them a bruise. It was <laughs> corny, but it works. Um, I like it. And then the gold players, a role player on the Lakers, who we think is going to play well. Gold is obviously good. It's worth a lot of money. Um, we did role players because it's easy just to pick LeBron James and Jason Tatum for this game. That's way too easy. We want to spice it up a little bit, expand it. Um, Skyler, since you're our guest, you give me your purple player first, sir. Okay, my purple player for this game is going to be Marcus Smart because this is the Lakers-Celtics. I believe role players will step up because of the history of these franchises and of this rivalry. So Marcus Smart is one of those dogs will shine in this game, mm -hmm. the guys who have that dog in him. And to me, Marcus Smart is someone who has that dog in him except when he flops. I hate that. But <laughs> anyways, uh, no, really, though, sometimes he can just go off for three-pointers, and he could be making the craftiest steals and defensive plays, and I envision him having one of those games for the Celtics. That being said, the Lakers know it's against the Celtics. It means a lot. I believe they're going to win, and I believe the gold player in that win is going to be Dennis the Menace Schroeder. Okay, because like Dennis is, uh, you know, he has the quick first step and he has that dog in him. We saw the game winner in Oklahoma City last year, and he has that dog mentality. He's scrappy. He's feisty. Chris Paul said it himself. And I believe that even though he hasn't played great in the last few games, we've seen that potential and he will step up and he will be the gold player for the Lakers. I like it. Uh, Schroeder's been kind of up and down this year. He's had some really good games. He's had some, a little bit of stinkers, um, but I've always been very defensive of him. 
you know, Ron Agers, I mentioned him earlier. He was not so, you know, thrilled when the Lakers brought him in and playing him so many minutes and starting him and whatnot. I'm going to defend him until I'm going to die on this hill. So I like the pick. I like it a lot. He probably would have been the second person I picked. Um, but instead, for my gold player, I picked another player who has a lot of dog in him. I, I agree with you completely. In these national broadcast games, you know, it's the players that kind of have that killer mentality, kind of go at you, punch you in the mouth, uh, that really thr- uh, thrive. And that's Montrez Harrell, our other dog. Um, Absolutely. I don't love the Celtics' depth in the front court, you know, off the bench. You know, Trez obviously coming off the bench. And I think, you know, you have Schroeder having a big night. I think this is a big scoring night for Trez. I mean, he was not good against Philly. I think he dropped a zero. I don't think he scored. Um, against Detroit tonight, I don't think he played too well either. I mean, at eight points, three boards, you know, not Montrez Harrell numbers. Um, I think this is going to be a 20-point game for Mr. Montrez Harrell. I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to dominate the glass down low. I think he's going to bully people, and he's going to look great. And hopefully maybe Taco Fall can get in the game and Trez can bully Taco yes. a little bit. That would be great. Yes. Um, Taco Fall, man. Just a little tangent here. This is completely unrelated to Lakers basketball, but now that my mind's on it, do you remember that Duke uh, UCF game in the championship? From like, yes, or he didn't not even the have to jump but... off the floor, and he just looked like a monster out there. So that game, I'm not a huge like I watch college basketball for kind of job purposes for uh, you know like the Lakers and who they could draft and the big board and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not a big just natural college basketball guy. I'll watch some of the tournament, but not much. Um, that game was the most like into a college basketball game I've ever been. And that's because a kid I went to high school with, and I actually grew up with him, went to elementary school, went to middle school. It was actually on UCF. His name's Frank Furtz. Uh, no he, way. He was actually, yeah, he, they showed his face right after Duke won. And it was him just all sad. And we're like, oh my God, it's Frank. And he got like, I think like eight to 10 minutes. He didn't play a lot, but I remember that game, just seeing him play with Zion Williamson, knowing Zion was going to be the first overall pick was so cool. Yes. Um, so for that reason, Taco Fall is always going to be, kind of like a, a legend in my mind. Like if there's ever a way he could be a Laker, just make it happen. Um, or Frank Burtz can become hey, a Laker. <laughs> that big man you're talking about. There we find go. a way to trade for, uh, for Taco Fall. But no, actually, you know, I haven't been huge into college basketball. I love watching the finals. And ironically, I watched that entire game and could not get over how huge Taco Fall was, and just the whole Zion Williamson in college was special to watch. Oh, yeah. That game was – That's I, cool about your friends. Yeah, it was super close game too, I believe. Um, came down to the wire. Obviously, Duke was the favorite. UCF – yeah, 77-76 was the final score. I just remember being on the edge of my seat and being so sad when they lost. Um, my purple player, talking about big men, I'm going to go with Tristan Thompson. So, uh, wow. former LeBron James teammate. He's obviously not – a huge offensive output kind of guy. I mean, he's seventh on the team in scoring the Celtics. That is only six points a game. That being said, you know, the Lakers have kind of gotten bullied a little bit down low, you know, no AD. We mentioned that Blake Griffin kind of did his thing. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid kind of did his thing against, uh, against the Lakers. You know, they didn't do the man to man coverage. Like you mentioned, even against the Cavs, you know, the Lakers came up against a team that has a lot of bigs and whatnot. Um, And I think in this game, it's not going to be so much about the scoring, but I think the Lakers need to establish early that they're going to be the better team on the glass, that Gasol and AD are going to outwork Tristan Thompson, limit the second chance points, um, and just really, you know, kind of control this game. Because I think it's it's a nationally televised game. It's naturally going to be a close game, I think so at least. Um, And limiting the chances that the Celtics get and stopping a player like Tristan Thompson, as silly as it sounds, that's the point of the purple player, though. Uh, I think could really be huge in this game. I think if we look at the box score after the game without even watching it, if the Celtics have you know more offensive rebounds than the Lakers, I think it's safe to say they'll probably win. Um, so yes. that being said, dominate the glass, and if they're going to stop someone to dominate the glass, it has to be Tristan Thompson. So that's my purple player. 
that's a great call. You know, it's, it really is for games like these about that dog mentality. And not only did we see Tristan Thompson have that dog mentality with the Cavs in 2016, sort of being, you know, LeBron's bully, bully ball guy down low, but this is a little, a little bit of a revenge game. Thompson's going to be thinking about his, him and LeBron playing together and now them going up against each other on these iconic franchises. So I think it is going to be very important to pay attention to Tristan Thompson, and that's a great purple player. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the betting odds aren't up yet at the time of recording this. Uh, I am kind of putting you on the spot here, though. I'm just going to ask for a final score prediction. I'll give mine first. Uh, so that way you have some time to think. I'm going to go with a close game, like I just said. I'm going to go with the Lakers W. There's no way they lose three in a row. That's just not going to happen. Nope. I'm going to go Lakers 114, Boston Celtics 111. I got a three-point game in this one, Skyler. Nice. What are you, you, know, what are you thinking? It's, it's not too much different or anything. I think the Lakers are going to want to show out defensively. Um, so I'm going 109 to 104, and hopefully they can show off that defensive consistency. Okay, so, yeah, that's a big scoring difference. So I have a 225 total. You have, what, a 113? 109, yeah. 104. Yeah, so, or 213, I should say. So, yeah, the over under is probably going to be set somewhere at like 219 and a half, somewhere around there. That's where they always are. So, yeah, I mean, assuming that's where it's at, you're going to pick the under, I'm going to pick the over. Um, and as long as the Celtics aren't huge dogs, we're probably going to take the Lakers um, against yeah. the spread. That's our unofficial as long as the picks. Lakers win, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> the best ones are like tonight. Well, the Lakers didn't win. Um, but the best ones are when I pick the other team, like the Cavs game, I pick them to cover. And but the Lakers end up winning, so it's like the best of both worlds. I the Lakers win, and then I win for the podcast. Um, but I got to keep it real. I got to pick other teams sometimes because if I only picked the Lakers every time, obviously I couldn't win. Um, yes. And then to wrap no one's it, gone eighty-two and oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> and then to wrap up the show, Skyler, it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. I'm bringing back staggering statistics. It is something that has not been on the podcast since I went solo. Now that we're getting guests, I'm going to quiz the guests as they come on. I'm going to come up with these staggering statistics ask them the questions and it's going to pretty much be like which guest you know can show up you know when the bright lights are shining on him um so the staggering statistic for this one lakers celtics inspired i was looking at this so i was looking at the most points scored by a laker you know against the celtics all time and it was a lot of elgin baylor actually elgin baylor has scored 30 or more points against the celtics i believe 31 times it was something insane um it was just incredible they played a lot in the regular season i guess back in the day um, I didn't want to do that, and I looked at like triple doubles, but I was like, ah, triple doubles, eh. Uh, so then I flipped it. I was like, let's look at the Celtics. Let's look who scored the most against the Lakers on the Celtics. And I was looking at that, and I noticed up high on the list was Jason Tatum, who last year, last February, dropped 41 points against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, so that led me to this question, and I looked it up, and it was it was a good question. There wasn't many answers, so it's it's kind of intriguing. Tatum is one of just six players to drop 40 points on the Lakers since LeBron James joined the team. So it could be any player on any team. Only six players have dropped 40 on the Lakers since LeBron joined. Skyler, can you name four of the other five players? If you can name four of the other five players, you get the W. Uh, you get three wrong answers. So you get three, you know, X's, you know, America's Got Talent X's. <laughs> okay. And you could, you wow, could this... think out loud, you know, take me through your thought process, you know, whatever the case may be. Okay, for sure. Um, that's a great question. That's uh, wow, because that's it's staggering. It's very recent. Yeah, this is this is a staggering one. Um, 
let's see here. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not going to pick him yet, but Giannis is one of the first guys that comes to mind. I know he scored like 36. Did he ever score 40, though? That's really interesting. Um, I don't think Kawhi or Paul George ever did. Oh, Damian Lillard is one. Yep, Damian Lillard on the uh, the first game back from Kobe's passing scored 49. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's that's going to be one there. Yep. Um. So there's there's some obvious ones. There's a very obvious one. There is a, and then the other three are like. They're not super obvious, but they're kind of going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Is James Harden one of them? Yes, James Harden has actually done it twice. So it's been done seven times by six players. Uh, he dropped 50 on the Lakers in December of 2018, and he dropped 48 on the Lakers in uh, January of 2019. So both of them uh, a month apart. <laughs> That's wild. I want to say uh, Luca really badly, but again, I feel as I think of that, you know, 33 to 36 range. So I have trouble saying him. Man, did Embiid have a 40-point game? Is that an official guess? Oh, my God. With that, uh, with the tone in your voice, that's not good. But since I have three guesses, I feel like I can, I'm going to go with Embiid. That is an incorrect answer. You have one X. <laughs> oh, no. I should have listened to the tone. Um, <laughs> I wonder what Joel Embiid scored against the Lakers. I'm going to look that up while you think. I man, oh, Steph Curry. Steph Curry is not one of the correct answers. That is the second X. But I will give you a hint. Steph Curry's teammate did. <laughs> Kevin Durant. No, not Kevin Durant. <laughs> Clay Thompson. Oh no, that's my third X though. I'll, I'll give you one more chance. So you get one okay. final, one final. Yes, hoorah. the hint misled me. One final hoorah. So you got uh, Clay Thompson. He scored 44 on um, January 21st, 2019. So that means James Harden scored 48 on January 19th, and then Clay Thompson scored 44 January 21st. If my memory suits me correctly, LeBron was out for those games, right? That was after his groin injury. I believe. Yes. Yeah, so that oh, makes sense. Oh, my goodness. So I, I... I will tell you, the other two, you just have to get one of them. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but I'll tell you when it happened. This person scored 41 points against the Lakers, and don't go looking at the Lakers schedule, on February 6, 2020. And this player scored 40 against the Lakers on December 16th, 2018. And it's really, it's kind of ironic who these two players are, and you'll know why once you once you hear who they are. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um... I wouldn't guess these. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> oh. Is one of them Russell Westbrook? Yes, it is. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I was thinking Thunder, Rockets. I've said Harden. I've guessed Durant. I got to gamble on Westbrook because he plays well in L.A. It's his hometown. Westbrook on February 6, 2020, scored 41. Now, you already got it right. Um I said it'd be, it's ironic, the other person on this list. Can you just throw out a name on who would be ironic? Anthony Davis? No, it is not Anthony Davis. It's actually John Wall scored 40 on December 16th, 2018. Wow, and, that is crazy. And and part of it with Westbrook, too, was that actually the Houston Rockets, Westbrook was playing some of the best basketball of his entire career right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So that was part of what I was thinking about was, like, who was balling out 
right before the NBA stopped on March 11th. And, and Russell Westbrook was one of the best players in the league at that point. So I'm happy I was able to get the four. That was, uh, that was an impressively tough question because when you said Lakers-Celtics related, I was thinking the rivalry. I was thinking the history. Bill Russell, <laughs> they met in the finals 12 times. 1959 was the first meeting. Uh, but then we're going recent history, and I'm like, man, that's that's actually really good. So, no, that was, that was a brain buster. That was great. <laughs> Threw a curveball. Uh, and for those that are listening that didn't understand why it's ironic that Wall and Westbrook were the last two, it's because they were traded for each other. That's why I yes, said it was exactly. ironic. Um, and then just thinking about John Wall scoring 40 points uh, is interesting you know, in upon itself. Uh, I said this on a previous podcast. I don't know how you feel about John Wall. I was a really big John Wall guy when he was drafted. I think it's just because the age I was kind of coming up watching basketball and he was the first overall pick. So I was like, dang, this guy's really good. Um, and I've always been a little bit of a John Wall believer. And I know I'm probably wrong at this point in his career, but I'm still going to believe in John Wall. He's going to win a, t- yeah, a title no, one day. I, I agree. I'm really impressed with what I've seen with him on the Houston Rockets. And they're a, they're a fascinating team. I mean, you have guys, Victor Oladipo traded from the Pacers. So, you know, they didn't believe he was the franchise guy. Marcus Cousins, who so many people have given up on. And John Wall. And they're all playing well and coming together. And Christian Wood. And it's it's this really strange experiment on the Rockets that that shouldn't be working, but seems like it is almost. Yeah, it's such a weird – and I'm trying to think of how they could take, you know, their team to the next step because they have – potential to do something special i mean they have some cap space freeing up not a lot but um that oladipo including him in the trade was good because they get some cap space you know uh obviously losing harden's contract and whatnot and westbrook's uh and they're still what like the fourth or fifth biggest you know just in terms of population that is uh market in the united states um so they could easily lure lure a free agent now the free agent class next year isn't fantastic i don't think they're going to do that anytime soon but like you said, it's a really interesting experiment down there. I mean, Daryl Morey, before he, he left, he was running interesting experiments, and they somehow got even more interesting once Morey left. So, <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the way he's shaken up the Philadelphia 76ers, getting Danny Green and Seth Curry into the starting lineup, bringing that three-point spacing into it. And, you know, you have so much talent with Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons and Daryl Morey, he's he's kind of a wizard, you know? Yeah. He, he hasn't won uh, quite yet, but, you know, he, it'll be interesting. Now, I have one final question for you, Skylar, that I just thought of off the top of my head. Let's um, do it. I'm actually going to make this a recurring question for every guest that's on the Lake Show Life podcast. And it's because the listeners know this about myself, and I think it's a good kind of, you know, recurring thing to ask the, the guests and see what their opinion on it is. I'm not going to give you any opinion, any of my opinion in the question, because I don't want to sway you either way. I just want to know, what is your opinion on Lonzo Ball? So my opinion on Lonzo Ball is that he was completely set up to fail by LeVar Ball and by not – not Magic didn't do it to be mean. But when he said that Lonzo was going to have his jersey retired by the Lakers, come on, man. That was too much, and the whole LeVar Ball era was – was just the antithesis of everything Kobe represented after he retired. So I wasn't into it, but I really wish him well. You know, I, I really do, do wish him well. I love to see what's going on with LaMelo Ball, uh, the pressure on those guys growing up. I, I can't even imagine. And, uh, hey, there's Lonzo trade talks right now, you know, so you never know what will happen. But uh, <laughs> I, I wish Lonzo nothing but the best. I think his ceiling is more like Jason Kidd, though. 
and he was never going to be Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, or Kobe Bryant. So I feel bad he got hyped up that much. Oh my God, we could have had Tatum. That's too much to even think about. But uh, <laughs> I, I wish, I well wishes to Lonzo Ball. I'm happy the LeVar Ball era is over. And look, we had to trade who we had to trade to get Anthony Davis. And uh, we got a chip and we're going to win two more consecutively. And I, I do believe in what you said, Jason, that Anthony Davis will lead the Lakers to even more championships afterward. And uh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to lead the Lakers to more championships with Lonzo Ball because Lonzo Ball is going to come back and become a Hall of Fame basketball player. I'm a huge Lonzo Ball stand. The listeners know every guest that comes on this podcast is going to know it from here on out. Lonzo Ball is the future of the league. Okay, Skyler? He's going to okay. be – he's just terrible situations. Look, he played with the Lakers. Wasn't bad his rookie year. Yeah, his shot was a little rough, but he was a rookie. And then LeBron comes in. LeBron kind of, you know, hinders him a little bit because they're both ball dominant. Lonzo can't really do everything that he was doing. Goes to New Orleans. is pretty solid. You know, Alvin Gentry, not the best coach. Um, he, he was okay, though. And then this year he's been really bad. But let's not talk about that. Uh I'm a huge Lonzo Ball guy, and it's because he went to high school at Chino Hills High School, which is about you know an hour away from me. My grandparents actually live in Chino. My cousins actually go to schools who play Chino Hills. Chino Hills actually played a high school in my uh, area, not my high school that I grew up going to because my high school grew up going to sucked. Um, but we graduated high school the same year. I remember watching his like mixtapes or whatever when I was a sophomore in high school, and he was a sophomore in nice. high school. And it was just the first player, even though he was an hour away and I've never met him or anything. He's the first player, like, I felt like I kind of grew up with. You know, like, when you get to that age and you're like, oh, I'm actually older than the players now. Um, yes. He was, like, that first guy. So he's older than me, but still. Um, so I'm that's, always going to be a huge cool. Lonzo guy. Forever no, and always. Let me let me say, I am rooting for Lonzo. Again, I'm rooting for Lonzo 100%. And I hope you're right because of the pressure he had placed on him. The higher he succeeds, the more impressive. And I love those stories. I just like Jason Kidd of old, but and there's nothing wrong with being Jason Kidd at all. I think his passing is revolutionary. When he came into the league, I thought his passing would change the league. Um, I, I'd like to see more dynamic scoring. And you know what? If if we don't have LeVar talking all the time, I would love to see Lonzo Ball back on the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he averaged 10, 7, and 7 in his rookie year, which is, you know, no easy feat. So His second game was extremely impressive. I remember LaMelo Ball just became the youngest player to score a triple-double. Know who was the youngest player before that? Lonzo Ball. Ball. Second yep. game, 29-point triple-double. I thought he was going to be a star then. And uh, it just hasn't panned out. But, man, him back on the Lakers without the pressure of magic, you know, new era, being led by LeBron because, right, like, you know, I know he came with LeBron, but at this point, it would be Lonzo coming on after LeBron has sort of helped shape the culture of the team. So I, I like that. I, I'm a big fan of storylines, and, and you've convinced me, Jason. Lonzo on the <laughs> Lakers would be pretty epic. I love it. Um, thank you, Skyler, for coming on. It was a pleasure. It was a blast talking Lakers basketball with you and a, and a few of our tangents we went on. Um, is there anything you want to plug to the listeners before you know we get on our way? Yeah, sure. You know, I have, I have a podcast called Mamba Moments where I interview – uh, people on Kobe Bryant. We had Cabby Richards who interviewed Kobe a lot. Mark Medina, who was in my article, going to try to get some players shooting bricks podcast as well. Uh, so follow us shooting bricks podcast, podcast bricks. My Twitter, Instagram is Skylar Treple. And, you know, just uh, keep up to date. Jason, thank you so much for having me on here. This is a blast. I read Lake Show Life articles growing up 
on Bleacher Report. Now I write for them. I'm on the <laughs> podcast, and uh, I'm happy to do this again anytime because this was a blast, man. You know your stuff, too. A lot of fun to talk basketball with, and let's keep doing great work, man. Of course, man. We'll have you back on in the future for sure. Uh, thank you again, man. It was fun. Awesome. My pleasure. I, I be balling every day. Every day.